Global markets are wary as another Fed president says there's no rush to cut rates. Japan's inflation is surprisingly warm. AI demand boosts Taiwan exports. Australian inflation data is set to show a rise in annual inflation. And it's OCR Day in New Zealand with a live decision. That's coming up in our five things in five minutes. And then in part two of our deep dive interview on Australia's housing market, ANZ senior economist Adelaide Timbrell looks at the strength in household balance sheets. The usual reasons people fall behind are no longer really there. The new reason is higher mortgage payments, but most households are well-placed to navigate that. But first in 5 and 5 with ANZ, there were fresh doubts overnight on when the US Fed might cut interest rates after another Fed president said there was no rush. The S&P 500 was flat. ANZ economist Banzi Madhavani says Fed presidents have been cautious ahead of key US inflation data tomorrow night. Kansas Fed President Schmidt spoke about inflation still running about target, labour markets continuing to remain tight. Um, it was a certainly hawkish speak because he spoke about no need to preemptively adjust the stance of monetary policy. We think it, it sort of ties in with a data-dependent stance that the Fed FOMC have been talking about. We do think that mid-year would be the time when they get further evidence of disinflation and they might get confidence to move on rates. Number two, the New Zealand dollar is flat at 61.71 US cents at 4am Sydney Melbourne time, ahead of the Reserve Bank of New Zealand's official cash rate decision at 2pm New Zealand time today. This decision is being watched around the world for signs of just how central banks will treat sticky domestic inflation. Most economists are picking the RBNZ to hold at 5.5%, but ANZ New Zealand Chief Economist Sharon Zolder has forecast a 25 basis point hike. Essentially, we're taking the Reserve Bank at face value. In November, they sounded pretty impatient and said that the OCR would likely need to go higher uh, if there was any more evidence of it taking longer to bring inflation back to target. We think that box has been ticked. Other people think the committee will require a bit more evidence. But if they're not over the line tomorrow, then then our take is that they soon will be. Because essentially, non-tradable inflation, the domestic inflation, has fallen really at only about half the pace that they expected back when they called a pause in OCR hikes in May last year. Number three, the Australian dollar was up about 0.1% at 65.46 US cents at 4am Sydney Melbourne time, ahead of Australia's monthly CPI release today. ANZ senior economist Catherine Birch says an expected rise to 3.6% in the annual rate will likely mask price falls of about 0.2% for the month, which is normal for a January. If we saw a significant deflation in January, that might be a sign that, again, inflation is coming down more quickly than expected. But the details are going to be important as well. So if it's a substantial drop in holiday prices, larger than we're expecting, but everything else is, is sort of turning out the way we think, then the RBA would probably look through something like that. Number four, in Japan, a stronger-than-expected January CPI figure has increased bets that an end to negative interest rates is near. While core inflation fell to 2%, and that's in line with the Bank of Japan's target, the reading was firmer than the 1.8% median economist forecast. The yen rose slightly on the news, while the two-year JGB, Japanese government bond yield, rose to its highest level since 2011 
ANZ's head of FX research, Marjabin Zaman, says the upcoming Tankan Business Inflation Expectations Survey will be key. This data is hawkish for the Bank of Japan outlook, given the uptick, particularly in services inflation for the month. We think that the BOJ uh, will shift policy rates from minus 0.1% to zero at its April meeting, and thereafter we expect it to move very slowly on additional tightening. Number five, demand for AI-related products drove an unexpected rise in Taiwan's export orders in January. Orders were up 1.9% from a year ago. There had been a fall expected. Here's Bunsi again. When you look at the sort of sub-indices, electronic products, which includes the demand for high-end chips and chips towards AI and automotives, that demand was up over 16% on a year-on-year basis. I think that is consistent with the upturn in the semiconductor cycle that we're seeing. It also ties up with the very strong results that the market looked at for NVIDIA. So it's pretty much a story of strong AI driving high-tech exports in Taiwan. Pansi Madhavani there. Now, in part two of a deep dive interview into Australia's housing market, ANZ senior economist Adelaide Timbrell has been looking into household indebtedness. She points out 94% of households have enough income to cover their mortgage payments, with many paying more than the minimum still. Most people who have a mortgage in Australia have enough money to cover that mortgage. Even though the average mortgage payment for an owner-occupier has gone up by about 30 to 50%, it doesn't mean that we have most people on a razor's edge. In fact, in 2023, the total amount that people were paying above and beyond their minimum mortgage repayments was about 20% higher than it was on the average between 2015 and 2019. So, there's actually a lot more excess money going into the mortgage payments, even though the minimum repayments are higher. Now, I think the really resilient labour market is a big factor in this. The unemployment rate is really low. Wage growth has accelerated. Through 2024, wage growth is going to outpace inflation, which means people will have more money left over. Stage three tax cuts mean people will have more money left over too. And all of these things will come together to create an even stronger household finance situation for a lot of those people paying those higher rates. There are a few people who don't have enough money to pay their mortgages. It's about 6% of people have to dip into savings every month to pay their mortgage and other essentials. There's a higher proportion of that once you take into account other lifestyle purchases. But most people who have to do that, they actually have very strong savings buffers. We've got to remember that particularly anyone who's had a mortgage since before 2020, they were able to really increase their savings buffers during uh, the pandemic period, during lockdowns, during those very low interest rate periods. And they can now use those savings to fill in the gaps if they are experiencing gaps now. Now, of course, there's going to be some exceptions to that, as there always are. But one of the reasons that people tend to get behind on their mortgages is when they lose their job and can't find another one. It's a pretty rare circumstance over the last few years because the labor market's been so tight. And so the usual reasons people fall behind are no longer really there. The new reason is higher mortgage payments, but most most households are well-placed to navigate that. It's not easy. doesn't mean you can spend the same amount of money or do the same amount of fun things as you could before. For some people, it might mean selling a car or you know, doing those other really uncomfortable decisions. But it's not necessarily to the point where people are trying to sell their homes due to mortgage payments for the most part. 
And so looking, uh, putting that all together, the demand and the supply side, you've got a, um, a forecast for house prices rising 5 to 6% in 2024 and then growing around 5% in 2025. Could you um, give us a sense if we do see, uh, you know, a rate cut uh, towards the end of the year and and some help from income tax cuts, um, why th- there wouldn't necessarily be an acceleration next year? Because you're looking at sort of um, pretty stable growth in 2025. That's right. So 2025 is going to be a little slower than 2024. And that's because although household disposable incomes will have a real boost from both easing monetary and fiscal policy, so from lower taxes and uh, lower interest rates, there'll also be less of a supply constraint on the other side. So even though in 2023, you know, interest rates were rising, housing prices were also rising very quickly. And that's because there were a lot of people who were adding to Australia's population and not a lot of homes adding to Australia's stock of homes. So it was a very competitive market. You can see that in both the amount of homes available to purchase, which is very, very low, about a 10-year low, and the amount of homes available to rent, uh, which as a share of the rental market is around a 12-year low as well. Adelaide Timbrell there. I'm Bernard Hickey. That was 5 and 5 with ANZ for Wednesday, February the 28th. Catch you tomorrow with the detail on the RBNZ's decision and Australia's inflation rate in January. This podcast contains general information only, not investment advice. You should obtain advice for your personal circumstances before making any investment decisions. Please view the podcast disclaimer available via your media player or email.